Welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast. It has been another massive, massive week in the NFL world. We're lucky enough that uh, we held off recording this week until uh, the trade deadline has passed, which was lucky for us because it gives us plenty of talking points this week. But uh, to kick off, the Eagles stand alone at the top of the NFL standings, the sole owners of a 7-1 and record. The Niners, another step back, and there's uh, still plenty of competition, though, for those Eagles as we head towards the halfway mark of the season. Off the field, like I said, some massive moves at the deadline, which we'll get into in a minute. This week, we saw a clash of the Titans in uh, fantasy football. Uh, ridiculously bad beat for myself to close out the uh, the week as well. Some horrific, horrific luck. Uh, but uh, first, as always, we welcome in Ryan Lepore. Another another massive week, mate. How's and 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 firstly, how are you? Stuck, yeah. stuck, still stuck in bed. I can see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The legs getting better, mate, but um, still not not getting back to full health yet. Um, so. Still a few more weeks in recovery, but um, yeah, feeling a bit better, mate. And um, yeah, certainly taking all the NFL action in there. Like you said, woke up to a, a pretty busy, pretty busy deadline day in terms of the NFL. Um, probably not as many moves as we thought of some key um, skilled players on the offensive side, but um, we definitely saw some some big moves nonetheless, and and some interesting ones, we'll say the least. Mm. But um, yeah, very very keen to chat through it all. And, and as you mentioned, the Eagles. Standing on top of the NFL uh, through week um, through week eight, seven and one, flying as as per usual, mates. But they they were made to work for it, so we'll we'll talk about that. And um, yes, the clash of the Titans. I'm not so sure about um, Titans. I'm not going all that well in that league. But um, you're flying, mate. You're on top of the top of the table with only one loss, seven and one. And I think I'm. Um, we headed in with, well, I headed in with a, a bit of a lead, but you just had a monster day from Jamal Gibbs that overran me and. And beat me quite comfortably in the end, but um, yeah, back to I think four and four for myself in that league. But uh, you're, you're, you're flying, so um, but yeah, very keen to <laughs> talk about the uh, bad beat that you had. That was um, that was a brutal watch at the end of that game and on Monday night. I'll tell you what. I mean, fan- fantasy first. I you. I mean, I think you you've sold yourself a little bit short. Your lead coming into um, into that final game into the into the Lions game was. Substantial double digits. It, it was double digits. It was double, and and you had a, a key, a key Raiders skill player still to come in in a flex spot um, in Jacoby Myers, who, who's been all right, um, and yeah, has scored some. He's, he's scored some touchdowns. And, yeah, yeah, and and I thought at that point, I know I had I had Jimmy Gibbs still to come, but I, I thought that it was done and dusted. I hadn't even looked. At halftime of, of that game, I hadn't even looked at, at fantasy because I just assumed that that you were were going to romp it in. I, I was in meetings and so I didn't see the first half. Uh, and then you messaged me and, and said that Jacoby Myers hadn't had a target. Um, and and then I saw the stat sheet and, and Jimmy Gibbs was kind of was kind of running right in that first half and um, had somehow I think at that point we were we were about point two point two points apart or something. Um, and then Gibbs just went nuts in the, in the second half, and it was it was all over. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was that was an interesting matchup because I think the first the first kind of half of the the slate, I kind of took the lead there, and and then you 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 fired back in the second half of uh, Monday morning, and um, yeah, it was kind of yeah. up and down was, for a while. 
wasn't wasn't to be though. You had your co- uh, it was a horrible day to have a, a Raiders player. It was, uh, wasn't it? It was <laughs> on your was team, awful. unless it was Josh Jacobs, who who um, still was would have um, been outperformed by Gibbs, of course. But mm. um, yeah, it, it's really interesting, and it's something we kind of talked about at the start of the season about getting Gibbs more involved, and obviously that's kind of been the case for the Lions without um, David Montgomery there the last week or two, and. Um, yeah, you can see he's he's clearly a big part of their um, big part of their offense. They want to use him more and more, and um, yeah, the little check down passes from Goff that that mm. that helps massively in PPR for fantasy. And yeah, as we've seen, you know, Elvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, and the likes that you know going to feast on those short passes and screen plays. But um, yeah, Gibbs was explosive, and they finally got him into the end zone. Kind of had to do it all <laughs> in zone. They weren't giving him the carries. Well. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about this beat of yours, mate, because you um you nailed really nailed it, honestly, in the same game multi front. You you kind of got everything right, and it was just really really bad luck and poor management by the lines <laughs> at the end of the game that cost you. Oh, it was just, I mean, I haven't had a bad beat like that for a, for a very long time. It was a seven legger. Uh, you kind of yeah, the, the game script was without Montgomery, they're going to run. They're going to run Gibbs hard, and they're going to keep him involved. Um, they've been throwing throwing him the ball a, a fair bit over the previous couple of weeks, and uh, I think he got into the end zone last week, or sorry, the week prior. And um, obviously, without without Montgomery, kind of figured that that he'd be the the main man, which which you know, he was to to some extent. And and we'll get into it a little bit later, but um, there was a point. Uh, in in the third or fourth quarter, where uh, the Lions, you know, had had finally started to get something going on the ground. You know, Gibbs had been going at you know two yards per carry for for the first half, getting a lot of it, um, and and so was was you know, his stats were still still decent, but um, not not that efficient. And then he started to reel off some runs in the second half, and um, you know he's getting up to to eighty ninety yards at, at that point, and um. They started giving the goal line carries. The Lions were getting things going. They they were giving the the goal line carries to um to Craig Reynolds, and I was I was livid um, because obviously Jimmy Gibbs touchdown anytime touchdown was was one of my legs and uh, everything was going right. The the Lions were up. Yeah, you know, they were covering their their line. Um, yeah, everything was looking good. The, the last the last leg of the multi with a couple of minutes to go was over forty two and a half points and. Uh, we we all know that it ended on forty points, and the reason it ended on forty points was uh, a Riley Patterson field goal from twenty six yards out that uh, swung right and, and missed, and and that would have covered the that would have covered the total. That doesn't kind of tell the whole story because essentially the Lions had four plays from the goal line to punch it in, and they did they did punch it in with Craig Reynolds, funnily enough, to to get the touchdown, smash the overs. But then, of course, a holding penalty brought that back and back, and mm, then true. they had another couple more downs, and then you know, chip shot from twenty six yards, as you said, which is shorter than an extra point these days. All you have to do is kick <laughs> yeah, through the sticks. So he hadn't gross. missed the field goal all day. He'd kicked three in the first half. Um, didn't look like missing in the dome of Ford Field, and then somehow sprayed it from twenty six yards to to cost the over punters. <laughs> and Jesus Christ, that's a horrible beat because obviously the Raiders. On the next possession, turn it over, and of course, um, in true fashion, you just run down the clock and you don't kick the field goal. Have another attempt, mm-hmm. and uh, that was it. And then, of course, um, we saw Jimmy G overshoot Devontae Adams on that 
on that throw, but that would have covered the over, but it would have potentially cost you on the line. Um, would have brought it back to five points. So that's right. Yeah, it was a it was a tough one to watch for you, mate. And um, thankfully, uh, I don't know if you saw it at the end because I know you had to duck into a meeting, but yeah, it was pretty pretty brutal for you, mate. So um, don't worry. There's always this week, and um, we'll get you back to Philly uh, for next year's um, opening day with a big multi. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the goal. That's the goal. But uh, no, it was it was pretty rough watch at, at the end there, and and our our little our little chat at the time was was pretty brutal. Um, but I'm I'm glad that I had to go into that meeting right at the end. So I missed I missed the final whistle. I missed the end of it. Um, but yeah, that was that was a rough watch. But we, I mean, to be to be fair, we did have some some decent uh, some decent work on the punt over over week eight. Um, yeah, I was on on the Panthers fairly strong last week, as as listeners would know. Um, you were on the Vikings, mate, so that um, that that got up, and obviously a couple of others throughout the the weekend that uh, you know had a few little singles on that uh, that seven legger played played a few singles as well. But um, yeah, it was a decent week without being massive. Yeah, look, I, I thought um, yeah, you, you nailed it with the Panthers, and it was it was one of those games that you know it all kind of. Um, came together and, and you know you, they're not going to go through winless and that would kind of set up for them to have that day and um, Bryce Young led a really um, strong um, length of the field kind of drive to, to win that game so that was impressive from the Panthers um, they were they were obviously great on defense holding the the Texans who had been really good on offense um, with CJ Stroud um, to what 13 points 12 points or something and then um, yeah the Vikings just um, took apart the the Packers, that was a, a pitiful performance on the Packers. And I know we're going to get into them um, in a lot more detail. But, um, yeah, I was pretty confident that that was um, an absolute gimme for the Vikings and it proved proved correct. Um, but, obviously, the win came at a massive cost for the Minnesota Vikings. So it's a good segue into our trade deadline talk. Yeah, well, I mean, there's probably two conversations here, right, which is which is the Vikings and, and the Kirk Cousins injury and then the – the trade for for Josh Dobbs from the Cardinals. Um, I mean, how do you see the Vikings here? Is, Dobbs, I think, has shown that he's a competent QB, but he's given they've already lost um, Jettas for for a little bit, and, and we don't know exactly when he'll be back. If he'll be back, um, is the loss of Kirk Cousins just too much for for the Vikings to to recover from? Uh, yes, it definitely ends there. Well, I don't know if they were a Super Bowl contender as such, but uh, it definitely ends any chance they had of winning the the big one. Um, they're still, I think, a potential playoff team in the NFC because of the, I suppose, the long tail of the NFC. It's it's such a weak conference this year in terms of some mm. of the teams. So they're definitely a chance for a wild card spot. There's no way they're catching the Lions. I know they still have to play the Lions twice, but. They're not beating Detroit um, from what I've seen at the moment, so especially without Kirk Cousins. So look, no. Josh Dobbs is an interesting one because obviously he'd, he'd kind of lost the job in Arizona. He made some really – he made some fantastic plays early in the season. He was looking really solid. And in the last couple of weeks, mm. unfortunately, he's thrown some really bad interception, made some bad mistakes, and that was on show again against Baltimore on the weekend. And um, before they traded him, I think they did say that Clayton Tune was potentially going to start this week, the rookie they wanted to have a look at. Yep. Um, so he was kind of on the outer of the Cardinals. They didn't even have his shirt in the team shop. So, you know, we, we knew <laughs> his kind of tenure wasn't going to last too long. Yeah, in I saw that video. That was funny. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting gap filler because I did hear the whispers that Jameis was potentially excited to um, to join them, um, especially with mm. the Saints 
having Taysom Hill there at at at, at tight end who can play the quarterback role as well. That um, Jameis Winston was available, and, uh, and that was a rumor I heard as well. That interesting, um, which you know kind of makes sense, especially with all their, their depth of wide receivers in in Minnesota to kind of get a gunslinger in like Jameis. But from all reports, they're still pretty confident in in the rookie Jaron Hall and, and Dobbs is obviously that coming across to back up. I don't think he'll start this week, Josh Dobbs. I think Jaron Hall will will start the rookie who kind of came in at the end of that game. So it sounds that way. Yeah. Yeah. So look, I think. Yep. Um, you know, he was an, a decent enough prospect um, coming out of college. It obviously doesn't, like I said, it's it's, it's not going to be the same without Kirk Cousins, who was on pace for a career year. He's, he's only second behind Tour in, in passing yards this year, and he played extremely well in, the last, in their mm. last three wins. So they're back at four and four. Mm. Their season's alive, and, and they, they play the Falcons this week, so they could easily win that one as well, even with the backup. So, yeah, I don't think it's all doom and gloom for the Vikings, but it does certainly – and any um, shot they've got at winning a Super Bowl, like I said, or a division. But um, there's still a playoff sneaky, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you're right there. And, and um, I just, I guess I want to put on record that uh, I've never been a, a Kirk Cousins fan. Anyone who's listened to this show over the last kind of four or five years, um, yeah, you probably know that I'm not a, I'm not a Kirk Cousins fan. But having watched the, um, the quarterback series, um, I... I actually found that I respected Kirk Cousins a lot more than than I did previously, and I was I felt I felt bad for him. I felt bad for him, um, and I do think I do think ultimately it's a massive loss for the Vikings. And you know, it it may like you said, and maybe maybe the Vikings weren't a legitimate contender for a Super Bowl this year, but this might have been his very last chance. You know, he's a free agent at the end of the season. Um, can't see kind of a, a contender, another contender taking a shot on Kirk Cousins, um, you know, with with a shot at a at a title for next season if it's not the Vikings. So, yeah, look, it's it's really tough for him, you know, at at the tail end of his career. And like you said, was was in some pretty good form over the last month or so. So, um, yeah, it's rough, and um, I think it's rough, rough all around. But um, you know, potentially opens opens the door for for a rookie, like you said, and. Speaking of ending kind of contention conversations, your old mob, the Washington Commanders, have kind of they've they've flown the white flag, haven't they? They've said they've said that they've said you know Ryan's jumped off, fans are jumping off, we're going to blow it up and we're going to start again. And they've they've traded probably what two of their best four or five. Players certainly their two best defensive players, in, in my opinion, in in uh, Chase Young and Montez Sweat, Young to the uh, the San Francisco 49ers and, and Sweat to the Chicago Bears. But what's your take on uh, on your old mob? I think it's Josh Harris just getting excited. As I was just saying off air, like he had a big forty eight hours. The, the the owner of the Commanders, he owns the Philadelphia 76ers as well, and he just shipped off James Harden and, and PJ Tucker. So he was just making moves at the deadline, the great man. But uh, look, it was it was always on the cards that one, if uh, definitely not both, would potentially go. But um, the fact that obviously both had be coming up to their, their last year of um, deals this year, both free agents at the end of the year, um, that they, they kind of moved on. And I can understand it. They're not going to win the NFC East. They're not going to be a playoff team despite – Kind of having a decent record, and and they push you guys again, and, and look, they they beat you guys in, yeah, they beat Philly yeah. at home last year as well, and they it, it kind of looked like it 
was heading that way. They were up by two touchdowns, but obviously Philly, 100%. Philly battled back. But you know what happens if they win that game and they're four and three or whatever? Like who knows? But um, I think there was a bit of unrest potentially there anyway with Ron Rivera, and we know that Ron Rivera is not going to be there for a long, a long tenure. I don't think he'll kind of do another season after this one. If if not the end, uh, he might even part ways before the end of the season. It's just disappointing for the commanders or a bit interesting, just kind of begs belief that they wouldn't get more for for a guy like um, mm. um, Chase Young. So, look, um, yeah, that that's that's the interesting one for me. So um, they got probably what they should have got from Montez Sweat, but um, they'd both been on having great seasons and especially for, for Young who had kind of bounced back after that, um, that ACL tear. So, look, um, can understand why they've done it, but um, yeah, interesting that they kind of got rid of both at the same time, and then the disruption that potentially causes the the, def- the defensive front for one, and then the locker room in, as as number two. So yeah, interesting to see what happens with the Commanders um, for the rest of the season. But um, yeah, they they obviously had, like you said, they've kind of surrendered this season, and, and yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. It, it does feel like they've kind of just given up. I mean. Like like you said before about the Vikings, with with still a shot at um at, at a wild card spot at, at a playoff spot, you know, three teams made the made the playoffs, made the postseason out of the the NFC East last season, and there's no reason that that the Commanders couldn't have been that. T- I mean, it's it's obviously not the Giants this season, um, so it, it quite easily could have been the Commanders. Kind of in in third spot in in the NFC East and and sneaking a, a wild card spot, um, especially with with that offense. I mean, Howell's playing pretty good football. That um, they've got plenty of talent there with, um, you know, Scary Terry and uh, Robinson on the ground now, and and um, Curtis Samuel's playing some pretty good football when when they give him touches. So there, there's some talent there. Um, but those two guys, yeah, clearly they're they're two main guys on on defense, but it does feel like they've just kind of gone, we're not happy with third in, in the NFC East. We're not happy with a wild card spot. And this is what we've got to do. We're not confident in keeping Chase Young after free agency. We're not confident in, in keeping Montez Sweat. And we're going to take, you know, cents on the dollar to make sure that we get something back on them, back for them now. Um, I mean, if, was it a third rounder and a fifth rounder for Chase Young is just, I mean, that's, robbery really for the Niners who just continue to stack talent on talent. We'll talk about them shortly, but um, I mean, it does, it does feel a little bit like, you know, they haven't got to where they want to get to in in Washington. um, And so they're going to blow it up and and start again. And, and having seen what they did on defense, it is interesting to, to see that they didn't do something similar with the talent that they've got on offense, because they could, they could have gotten, you know, some really good assets for for someone like a Terry McLaurin or or whatever. Um, so really interesting time for uh, for Washington. But clearly, it was you. Uh, it was you jumping off that's kind of you know consolidated that uh, that mindset in, in Washington. Nothing to do with with Josh Harris and, and Magic Johnson there in in the front office and, and new ownership. It's clearly the fact that that you've jumped off and and come to the come to the light in Buffalo. Um, who who have been buyers, and we'll get to that in a minute. But before we do that, uh, I wanted to touch on another NFC East move, which was the Giants trading away one of their their star 
defensive players in Leonard Williams. Uh, is in the final year of a $64 million contract. Uh, traded him to the Seattle Seahawks, who are, who are aiming to compete. Um, and I think it shows some signs for the Seahawks uh, in terms of that move. But, uh, mate, what did you think of, of that move from the, the Giants' perspective? Oh, I can understand it from the Giants' perspective, and I think it's a it's probably a, a good trade from both sides. I mean, it's a tough to always let one of those kind of players go who's a um, an absolute stud. Obviously, Kayvon Thibodeau is kind of come, coming of age now. The last few games, he's, he's really stepping up. But Leonard Williams, obviously, still one of the best um, defensive ends for the Giants and um, around the NFC. So interested that they parted ways with him. But it's a good good one for the Seahawks to, to chase, especially um, to shore up that defense. So they're leading the NFC West, um, obviously. Um, we thought that might have been a foregone conclusion with the Niners streaking ahead. But three straight losses to the Niners and now the Seahawks all of a sudden uh, are top of that division. And, you know, we saw them... Um, make the playoffs last year. We, we, we saw what happened in their wildcard game against the Niners, but, you know, they're, they're a sneaky, sneaky good team. And, you know, they obviously still have some very talented kind of players on offense. And then um, you add you add a guy like um, Leonard Williams into that defense with, um, you know, with the spoon now um, playing some really good football. You've got Quandre Diggs. You've got um, Jamal Adams obviously back as well. So, yeah, it, it's starting to look like a formidable um, defense as well against uh, again for the Seahawks. So yeah, love love that move for them, and they're I don't want to say legitimate contender because I, I I've still got them a rung or two below that, but they're they're definitely a playoff team, and you know five and two suggests that. Yeah, I mean it was it was a statement of intent, wasn't it, from the Seahawks? It was it was them saying it was them saying we're here to we're here to play, and, and you you've got to take us seriously. Um, you're right. I mean they're they're really talented. You know they're they're playing. Good football, um, and that was really where they needed help was on that defensive line. Um, and yeah, it's a big move. He's a difference maker. He's a difference maker, and it's going to be really interesting to see, mm. I guess, how they attack the the second half of this season. Um, but again, I think another another little white flag for for the Giants in in that they're not going to be competitive. Um, yeah, interesting to see that again. A, a little bit like the like the Commanders that they didn't they didn't make some of those moves on offense. Um, Saquon Barkley, there was there was whispers around Saquon. Um, you know, coming into the deadline, uh, a couple of other guys on, on offense as well. Um, well, well, Barkley's obviously out of contract now at the end of this year. They only gave him that one year deal. Yep. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it could be a lot of change coming in New York. Yeah, I'll look. It's yeah, it's it's yeah, really interesting. I mean, it, it kind of it kind of means for the you know the Eagles and, and the Cowboys that. You know, it's with them. The NFC East is is with them, um, and you know, like I said, the other two have kind of you know flown the white flag at least for the time being, and and maybe look to retool uh, after this season. But um, I want to talk about a, a positive move for for your boys. The the Buffalo Bills have brought in Razul Douglas, um, and I think this is the perfect move for for Buffalo. How do you see that as a um, as a Bills fan? Yeah, spot on. I thought that was a, a shrewd move, one that was. You know, necessity as well. Like the, the cornerback mm-hmm. position's been been a big hole. Yeah, the the kind of the rookies that they've got in place haven't really been able to kind of fulfil that at the moment. So look, it's a great move to have a um, a veteran like Russell Douglas, who had obviously vented some frustration in Green Bay as well. He he was very outward and, and outspoken in in his kind of frustration of playing on that losing team at the moment. So yeah, it's a good thing for the Bills. It's a great mm-hmm. move, and I think that's probably one of the best 
moves in terms of a necessity and a, and a need for that team. And obviously, you know, goes without saying, I think Chase Young probably is the winner of the or the Niners and Chase Young deal is probably the winner. But this is a close second for mine. And, yeah, really valuable addition for, for the Bills who who need some help on defense at the moment So with, with a few injuries. So, look, I think that was a really, really good move. And um, they didn't overpay either. So, um yeah, I think it was a, a win-win again. Um, maybe not for the Packers, but again, it looks like a long season ahead now for Green Bay. Really good move for Buffalo, and yeah, pretty excited by that one to have a guy of his class in in the cornerback position for the Bills for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I really like Rizal Douglas. I, remember, I was I was sad when when he left Philly. I mean, obviously he didn't play in in that Super Bowl, um, the the eighteen Super Bowl, but. Um, yeah, was an important piece during that that season and, and the following couple of couple of years. And yeah, you know, he, he plays hard. Um, he, he's good at what he does. And yeah, I think I think he's going to be a real a real bonus for um for the Bills secondary in a in a bit of a, a a gap that they needed to fill. So yeah, I think it was kind of the perfect the perfect guy to, to bring into Buffalo, fill a hole, fill a need that that they desperately needed to. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the Chase Young to the Niners one in terms of winning the winning the deadline. I mean, he's the best player. Chase Young's the best player that, that was moved. Um, probably not as much of a necessity for the Niners as as Razul Douglas is to the Bills or, or yep. Lenny Williams is at the Seahawks. But, um, you know, I think those two, Razul Douglas and, and Lennon Williams, are the two that, that really are going to be difference makers, I think, for for those two teams. And and then the final one uh, that we've got here, Donovan Peoples-Jones from from the Browns to the Lions. I think just another one that kind of, you know, needed to get some some more help um, through the air for for um, Jared Goff and Amon Rasen Brown. Yeah, and no, I like that move. I was really high on Donovan Peoples-Jones coming into this season and drafted him in a number of fantasy competitions. So it was kind of disappointing to see it hasn't really worked out in Cleveland for him this year. Um, obviously, they've had a um, three different quarterbacks. It hasn't been um, all smooth sailing on offense for the Browns, but um, it's a nice move for the for Peoples-Jones to get out of Cleveland at the moment. And um, yeah, again, Lions didn't overpay. It's an interesting one considering all the wide receivers that were shopped for the deadline, and, and Donovan Peoples-Jones was probably the last pe- um, name on anyone's lips. To, so it's a, a sneaky move by Detroit and a, a good one, though. Again, um, I think that extra wide receiver will help complement that offense. Again, they're probably lacking that one, aren't they? I mean, Josh Reynolds is a number two. He's not really probably quite good enough to be a number two in, a, in an NFC contender. So, yeah, it's a nice move. Um, we know he's not an absolute... Out and out star, but he's he's got a lot of potential. People's Jones, so I thought that was a good move by the Lions, and um, yeah, hopefully he can kind of flourish and and kind of show the potential that I saw, um, and what a lot of people saw at the end mm. of last year, where he where he had a career best year. Yeah, I I, th- I think it's a good move. I mean, it's been interesting watching how kind of Josh Reynolds has has kind of fallen down the pecking order a little bit in that um, Lions offense over the last two to three weeks. You know, was really heavily involved. Um, earlier on in, in the season. Um, but just seems like that's kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit in the last fortnight to to a month or so. And and so, yeah, I mean, whether they just kind of lost confidence in him, which is surprising because I thought he'd been, I thought he'd been pretty good. Um, obviously had the, the kid coming back uh, from, from his, uh, the gambling ban. Um, yeah. Jameson. Yeah. 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 And, um, and then look, Sam Laporte is a really good, 
He's been great. Yeah, well. yeah, he's been really, he's been really good. good. So, but yeah, they lo- they've lost Marvin Jones, who wasn't doing much anyway. The veteran who has kind of stepped away from for personal reasons, I believe. So look, um, yeah, a, a nice addition for the Lions and um, a good move for for them to kind of continue their run um, towards a, a an NFC uh, tilt. Yeah, well, I mean, speaking of speaking of not doing much, I mean, now that we've kind of gotten to the end of the the trade deadline stuff. Um, Someone who hasn't been doing much and and who now won't be doing much for the uh, foreseeable future, at least in the short term, Josh McDaniels uh, has been fired from from the Las Vegas Raiders. His win loss record as a head coach, as a senior senior coach, is is not pretty at all. Um, and this obviously doesn't help that that bottom line. But um, probably a move that had to be made. It's it's a it's a season and a half now. He's in his in his second season and and. I think he's what six and nineteen, something, something like that. Um, and I mean, they're just they're just awful. They're they're rudderless. They have no personality. They have no focus. They've got they've got nothing. No redeeming qualities at the moment. Um, and yeah, I think the the general manager was was fired as well. I think there'll be some more come out in the wash over the next few days and, and, and weeks um, and and the second half of, of this season, obviously. But um, yeah, what did, what did you make of uh, the end of Josh McDaniels' tenure in Las Vegas? Yeah, an abrupt end, uh, especially after the team got back to <laughs> three and three, and you thought, oh, okay, you can kind of see a little bit of upside. Um, we knew they were bad, though. We we knew they were bad, and we we discussed this numerous times. That you know, if not for some really other bad performances, that'd definitely be in our top bottom three, four, five of our power rankings week in week out. But mm-hmm. I think the the nail in the coffin, obviously, was was um, Monday night with just an inept performance on offense by the by the passing game in particular. But um, that loss to the uh, the Bears was quite damning the week prior. They got smashed and to lose to a Division II quarterback, essentially, and um, he just made them look silly. And, and look, they've got – I'm not going to say decent defense because they've only got one good player, really. But they made some good plays on Monday night, actually, and you know their defense is what kept them in the game. And um, we saw that pick six um, – by was it Max Peters, the uh, the vet, the Wiley veteran, but Max Crosby's obviously a a stud, and we know um, he's a superstar and and has has been for in this league for now for a number of years. And and look, it'd be great if he can stay. Potentially, he might he must love it there, but he'd obviously good to get out as well for his, for his own sake and, and get away from that losing franchise. But we saw the the cracks were appearing quite. Um, quite uh, obviously and, and glaringly with Devontae Adams after the game and, and a few other kind of bits and pieces. But, um, yeah, it's a pretty ordinary end for Josh McDaniels, who finishes his 9-16, and 16 and um, his second time around hasn't gone much better than it did the first time around. He was fired within two seasons in Denver, and now he uh, hasn't made out a season and a half in, in Las Vegas. So that's the end of his coaching tenure. I don't think he'll ever come back to the NFL as, as a head coach. He'll probably hang around and... Um, mm. be a coordinator potentially. I don't know if he'll even get to that level again. Um, he's um, It's been a pretty ordinary um, couple of seasons for Josh McDaniels. And I look, that it's it's a good thing for the Raiders to part ways, I think. And, and I certainly wasn't surprised to see the news come in um, today. Yes. Look, I think you're right about that that inept performance on, on offense. I think we were, we were chatting. I think they said it was the first drive, their first drive of the third quarter. And Devonta Adams... Uh, had a had a catch, and I th- the, the commentator said that that was the first completion mm. to a receiver of the game. And we're talking about early in the third quarter. Like that's just 
phenomenally bad when you've got someone of the the talent of Devonta Adams. Um, it, it was it was only a matter of time, but it did feel like it was very abrupt. Like like you said, um, I, I I had it on my list of things that I thought would happen, but I didn't think it would happen so quickly and so abruptly um, that it's just going to be. I mean, it's it's just. It, it almost makes the Raiders a, a little bit of a, a must watch over the next kind of six weeks to, just to see what they're going to do. Um, I'm really intrigued to, to see what happens with uh, with uh, Las Vegas over the next, you know, the, the second half of this season. Um, speaking of coaches in danger, Brian Dayball in New York has to be feeling the pinch um, because. I mean, they're they're awful. I've said it a few times. They they are awful, and they were awful again against the Jets. That was one of the worst games that I've ever watched. Um, Jets Giants, and it was such a fun couple last couple of minutes. Though, goodness, that was a funny <laughs> end to the game. Doesn't doesn't make up for it though. Doesn't make up for it though. But but uh, yeah, a little a little bit like the Raiders. They just I, I like Brian Dable. That that's the difference here is that I like Brian Dable. I think I think he's a, a good coach. Yeah, um, but. They just, they look terrible. I think you can see it, the frustration all over his face. It, it, they're just mm. not performing to a level that he knows they're capable of or, or what they were certainly last year. And he looks he looks a coach lost in terms of like confidence in his team. He's got, he's just got no kind of, the fire in the belly looks to be gone. It looks such like a deflated sideline at the time. And look, negative nine yards the New York Giants finished with. Negative nine yards. I've never seen anything like it in my <laughs> lifetime in, in an NFL game. And um, they ran the ball well and they defended well and, and they should have won the game. It was a, a really bad decision, I think, by Dayball to kick the field goal uh, when they were running the ball so well. And uh, at fourth and one, they should have definitely handed the ball to Saquon to get that first down. And even if they they did turn it over, you've got the Jets pinned down in that territory. So I don't think... It, um, it served them any purpose to throw the or to to, to attempt the field goal, and Graham Cano had already missed one earlier in the day. The conditions were terrible. It's a really bad decision, I think, from Dayball. I couldn't believe it when he when he did make that call. And look, he was a fantastic offensive coordinator in in Buffalo. He was the coach of the year last year um, um, after leading the Giants to the playoffs for the first time in in six years or so. So look. We know he can coach. We know he's got some great credentials, but the team just looks shot at the moment this year, don't they? And then, look, the defense has come alive the last couple of weeks. I've been mm. outstanding the last fortnight, um, especially against the commanders and then what we saw against the Jets. But that, um, that penalty by Thibodeau to jump offside and give them essentially a, an extra timeout, the Jets, when they caught the ball in the middle of the field to stop the clock, um, and, and look, the Jets made him pay, and, and it was a, <laughs> a funny end to the game where they just could not move the ball in the air. Um, DeVito threw a couple of passes at the end that just went backwards. It was it was quite comical viewing, 24 punts for the game. Um, one for the memory bank, but probably not for the right reasons. But, yeah, it was a, it was a spectacle, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, it, it there could be some serious change in um, New York. I don't know if he's... He'd get fired before the end of the season, and I don't know if he'll get fired at the end of the season. To be honest, I think that's something that um, him and the GM would potentially have a sit down and have a chat with. I don't think he'll get fired like a, a Josh McDaniels has, for instance. So, um, I think he's got enough credits in the bank mm. after last year. But um, 
yeah, they'd want to turn things around and, and show a little bit of something in the in the um, second half of this year, especially um, Daniel Jones, who um, signed this obviously massive extension at the end of last year and has looked awful and has barely been on the field as well the last yeah. obviously the last couple of weeks with a neck injury. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, it's 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 bad time to be a um, a G Man fan at the moment. Yeah, that's right. I think you're right in that, that he does. He he must have some more leash than than a Josh McDaniels, for example. But uh, yeah, I mean he he looks defeated at the moment. You see him on the sidelines, and he's just yeah he looks he looks like a shattered man. Um, and and you wonder whether or not he's got enough in him to keep going in New York, or whether he kind of looks for for a reset somewhere else. Um, you mentioned the the albatross of a contract for Daniel Jones. I mean that's got to feel like you know a, an anchor around his neck. Um, and yeah, obviously the rest of this season they've, they've just traded um, Lenny Williams out, and and he's you know the, the difference maker on on defense, or one of the difference makers on on defense. And um, you know it's going to be really interesting to see kind of what Brian Dayball can do in the second half of this season. I think you're right that he he at least sees out the rest of this season, um, almost regardless of of what happens now. But you do want to see some sort of fight back some sort of you know passion or, or something out of the Giants um, because you, you feel for Brian Dayball and and yeah he just he, like you said he, he looks he looks like a shattered man at the moment um, and it's it's hard to watch even as even as someone who hates the Giants um, but yeah another another kind of watch for the second half of the season and and another one I think is is Jordan Love in in Green Bay I mean we've talked about Jordan Love a lot over the last couple of years as the heir apparent to, to Aaron Rodgers um, in in Wisconsin. Um, and it's hard to tell, I guess, uh, a little bit how much leash he's got uh, at Lambeau because he's he's certainly talented. We, we've seen that. Um, he's got some skill. He's got talent. But his performance levels over the last month, since probably since about week three or four, has just been pretty average. I mean, that's that's probably putting it kindly. But um, Jordan Love has been pretty average as as the whole Packers franchise has been. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I know I've got. I know you've got some some key stats to share. They've um, they've been disastrous and. Um... Look, Jordan Love, as I, I kind of ran through a couple of stats last week, but I know you've got you found a I found a really good tweet that kind of shows you how how bad the um, that he's been, and especially um, since kind of week one, week two, when he looked all right, um, it's it's gone downhill very quickly for the Packers on offense, and um, they didn't again. They've just been completely outplayed in the first half. Um, they've been outscored seventy three points to nine in their last five games in the first half. Um, no touchdowns, obviously, in that time for the Packers. They um, didn't have a first down until the second quarter in, in against the Vikings, and then they finished the game with three three and outs, or I'm sorry, three turnovers on downs. They just could get nothing going on offense, and um, I think a lot of the blame has to go on Jordan Love, and um, he's been really, really poor, and and it's why a reason I had was so confident in the Vikings last week that they just can't score at the moment. The Packers, and um, yeah, they they they're kind of again. Lost. They can't run the ball. They're just kind of a bit lost on offense at the moment, especially, mm. um, you know, what we've seen in the last few years. And kind of begs the question: Is it is it a Matt Lafleur kind of 
flaw or or uh, and as Aaron Rodgers kind of been glossing over mm. um his his kind of um um you know has been inflating his kind of record the last few years or or we'll we'll find mm. out a lot I think in the next uh second half of this season but um yeah run us through a couple of those stats on Jordan Love because they're they're very interesting and very eye opening yeah it's interesting because often oftentimes when you see a young a young QB struggling the way that that he is you can often put a fair chunk of of that blame on the offensive line but i, I feel like the offensive yeah. line is doing a pretty decent job um and the, the number here is that he's the the 10th least pressured qb in the nfl which you know means he's in the in the top half of of kind of um uh you know offensive line performances uh at least from that perspective in terms of, of being pressured um but in some of his his you know passing stats, he's thirty second in completion percentage, twenty eighth in interception percentage, twenty fourth in YPA, twenty eighth in QB passer rating, twenty ninth in on target percentage, twenty eighth in bad throw percentage, and all of those things when you when you add the fact that his line is doing their job at least at 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 league average level, if not better. Um, then those numbers are, are, are going to be pretty alarming for for Packers fans, and I, I guess yeah, you know, the question is whether he's got some leash, knowing knowing what they went through, you know, in that transition from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers in that first season. Rodgers didn't set the world on fire, you know, he had a losing record. Um, obviously, turned it around pretty quickly after that, but um, you know, can they can they give themselves the same leeway to to have Jordan Love kind of learning on the job. I mean the whole the whole goal of drafting him two or three years ago was that he was going to be learning behind Aaron Rodgers and that by the time Rodgers came to the end, whenever that was, Jordan Love would be ready to go. Uh but clearly clearly he's not. And so really interesting time for uh for Cheeseheads. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think um it doesn't get any um look the good thing for the uh, the Packers at the moment is that they, they play they sort of games against um, the Bears, uh, or sorry, one game against the Bears. They've got obviously another game, a couple of games against the Lions, which will be interesting. But um, this one against the Rams coming up at home, it's a, if you feel like it's almost like a must win. They got these are the games that kind of have to win, otherwise it could um, um, get out of hand pretty quickly for for the Packers. But uh, yeah, look. Not don't see too much upside in the way they've been playing late lately. So um, yeah, I think they um, they finish with a really poor record, and um, it's another it's a wasted season for for Green Bay. Yeah, it's yeah, it must be must be tough given the I guess the the success, or at least the consistency that that they've had over the last kind of you know, two decades. Um, this this must be tough for for Packers fans and and for the. The Packers front office, but um, uh, someone who's not struggling right now is AJ Brown in in Philly, um, breaking records uh, from a, a receiving perspective. Um, the the number of of games that he's you know, obviously the one that's being spoken about is is consecutive games over 125 yards, um, and just we, we spoke about it last week, just how perfectly he's fit. In, in Philadelphia, in the franchise, in the offense, with Nick Sirianni, with Jalen Hurts. Um, I mean, the guy just, it feels like he was made made to be an eagle. Oh, mate, he's been phenomenal. And 
Um, I'll talk about him a little bit later in, in my take bag as well, but he he turned it on again and um, that catch um, to that touchdown catch was just <laughs> insane, wasn't it? And like we know um, he's he's got a prodigious talent, but that that pass was um, and that catch was was something else. It was um, phenomenal and. He he's just going from strength to strength, and there doesn't seem to be anything stopping him. And and look, it was a bit of an uncharacteristic day for the Philly uh, defense, I should say. They allowed Sam Howell and, and mm-hmm. the offense to of Washington to to almost um, account for almost five hundred yards. I think it was about four hundred and seventy odd. So it's a massive day for the Commanders on mm-hmm. on offense. But uh, you know, Jalen Hurts was was near perfect, and and that's that was the difference. And and he has a, when you've got a guy like. AJ Brown, who can make catches from nowhere, and um, you know, twenty nine from thirty eight, four touchdowns. It was his most complete performance of the year. Um, Jalen Hurts's and and without an interception, of course, this week. So they're pretty. Un- you guys are pretty unstoppable when when Hurts plays like that, especially despite even the defense. Like I said, kind of um, a bit of an uncharacteristic unchar- day, but um, yeah, a really strong win for the Eagles, and and again, just shows that you've got so many gears and different ways you can win. I think, and that's what kind of sets you guys apart at the moment, and, and why you're the best team in the league according to the records. Well, yeah, I mean, look at it, it was a bit uncharacteristic from the the defense, but I think there's some, yeah, you know, there's potentially some some reasons for that. I mean, you know, Kevin Byard comes in, and you know, new system. All these sorts of things, and, and I think he's going to be fine, but but clearly got a little bit lost at times, and I think the secondary as a whole um, got a little bit lost and, and kind of confused as to, to where they were meant to be, and that allowed you know Terry McLaurin a couple of big catches, um, House and big throws, and and moving the ball, you know, fairly easily. Um, but I think they'll I think they'll come good again. They've shown all season that, that they're a they're a, a pretty dominant unit that defense, so they'll they'll be fine. Um, offensively, kind of flip, you know flipped the, the script a little in that mm. you know, they've been patchy and and inconsistent, all that sort of stuff, and, and then they put on a show. Uh, like you said, Jalen Hurts, best best game of the season. Um, AJ Brown's firing on all cylinders. Devontae Smith, you know, involved heavily. Dallas got up, you know, getting some of the crumbs, I guess, when, when those two are on fire, or those three are on fire, um, you know, th- it doesn't feel like there's a lot for, for Dallas got it, but, but he just does what's required of him week after week. Um, and, you know, if, if those two are covered, then, you know, you know that he's there in the slot to, to kind of get some of those chunk plays and, and move the chains and, and he's, he's just super consistent and, and reliable. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it was good. It was, it was good in a number of ways for the Eagles to have a tough game on defense, make sure that they can refocus um, and, you know, get back to the, the unit and the dominance that, that we know they can be. And, and also good for, for Hertz and, and the offense to, you know, be involved in a shootout that they come out, uh, you know, on, on the right side of, um, and, and really, you know, start to feel like they're, they're, um, you know, making moves to, to getting back to that dominant offensive unit that, that we saw last season. So, yeah, I mean, not ideal to, to, to give up, you know, 20 plus, 30, 30 points or whatever it was to to an offense in in Washington, but yeah, I think it I think it's going to work out well for for Philly, um, and not not too many concerns at, at this point heading into into the second half, which is is promising I think at this point given what we saw out of the offense in the, in the first kind of you know month and a bit uh, in Philly. So yeah, it's 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 really good. And another um, actually one one thing I did want to mention, my favorite part of 
of that AJ Brown catch, um, which was phenomenal and and could be catch of the year, catch of the season. Mm. Um, but in the celebration, the the Jason Kelsey um, jump and, and leap into the yeah. celebration, the one armed the one arm leap um, was just. Was I mean, it was cool. pure. It was pure Jason Kelsey, and um, you know, really, I think shows the the camaraderie and the the unity and um you know just just how close this this group is and um yeah just just good to see some fun back on offense in, in Philly so yeah that that was that was my favorite bit but an, another QB that that made strides this week and yeah rookie QB um first start Will Levis in Tennessee may have just taken the starting QB's role for the rest of the season uh, regardless of what happens with with Ryan Tannehill, I'm kind of of the opinion that this is Will Levis's time, and you know Tannehill can back him up for the rest of the season if if he's good to go. But um, he showed enough in that game that he's he's got to be the incumbent moving forward. Oh, for sure, for sure, and I think. Um... Yeah, he, he handled himself with the plum as well with, um, I think, um, Malik Willis was getting booed by the Tennessee fans and, and Levis said after the game that that's kind of not on and he showed a bit of maturity and leadership there. But look, he was fantastic. And four touchdown passes, three to D-Hop who showed his, um, his vintage self or his current self as I think he tweeted out. So look, I think, yeah, Levis was <laughs> extraordinary. Um, and he moved the ball. He threw the ball downfield and that was the difference, wasn't it? I mean, Tannehill had thrown two touchdown yeah. passes all year and then... Um, Levis has come in and, and thrown four in, in his debut game and um, only the third player ever to throw four touchdowns in their first um, NFL start. Marcus Mariota was the last one, so another Tennessee Titan back in the day. But, uh, look, it was a fantastic performance by the by a guy we thought was going to get drafted in the first round as well. He was obviously a big surprise that he slipped to the second mm. day. It was the first round or first pick, I should say, of the second round. Um, and the Titans might have got themselves a bargain. Look, I think it's obviously early days. He only kind of, that's um, one performance. is going to be very different on the road, short week against the Steelers this week. Really intrigued to see how he goes against that defense. And he might have an opportunity with Minka Fitzpatrick out um, to throw the ball deep and without that that blanket of, of a safety there for the for the Steelers. So, yeah, every opportunity, and I think it has to be Levis's time and team now. Like you said, Tannehill can can back him up when he went in healthy. Um, but yeah, Levis has to be shown given the rope here now, and to see what he can do. And especially with that chemistry, he's shown straight away with um, D Hop and, and and Hopkins. Mm. I know said some really amazing things about him after the game as well. So yeah, it's 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 a good thing for the Titans and kind of save their seasons and and save themselves kind of going out of. Um, um, obscurity and kind of falling away, um, but they kind of saved their season, and you know they can easily get back to four and four if they can. You know, Pittsburgh are, are just going at the moment; they're certainly um, really struggling on offense. So if they can kind of counter that defense, um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, really interesting, and and I think you're right that that this has saved their season. I think there's there's a really good shot that you know if if he comes in and doesn't perform the way that he did or or um, or whatever that you know, not just season's kind of over, but you know, you're trading Derek Henry, King Henry's gone, um, and, and you know they they made the call in in those final hours not to trade Derek Henry, 
Um, and yeah, I mean, like you mentioned that, that, uh, cohesion with, with D hop, I mean, for, for a kid, I know he's not a kid. He's, he's a bit older than you, you kind of standard, um, mm. rookie QBs, but you know, super mature and, and to be able to, to build that really quickly. Often you see rookie QBs come in and, and they've got a bit of a, a, a relationship or, or they've spent time with, you know, the practice squads and the, the second stringers, the third stringers. And, and so immediately you see those, those second or third string guys get some more targets and, and get some more burn, but to, to, to walk in the way that he did and bring someone like Deandre Hopkins into the game, the way that he did. Um, I mean, that's, that's clearly his best game as a Titan um, and, and his best game for a while, Deandre Hopkins. Um, and that's super promising for for a Titans fan, I think. And and yeah, DeAndre Hopkins is a superstar when when he's being involved and he's being fed the ball. And um, you know he, he's a legitimate number one receiver and a number number one option on on defense. Oh, sorry, on offense. If if they've got a legitimate number one back in in Derrick Henry and a legitimate number one receiver in D Hop and and a guy who's going to feed both of them, then. You know, there's a lot to be there's a lot to be happy about as as a Titans fan. So, yeah, really promising. And and yeah, like I said, I, th- I think you've just got to roll with him. You've just got to roll with him for the rest of the season and, and see what he can do. Um, because we've seen what Ryan Tannehill can do, and and for a while that worked, but clearly over the last two years it hasn't. Um, Malik Willis, like you said, hasn't worked. There's an experiment that's just, I don't know was a bit of a waste of time, I think, um, when, when you've got a guy like Derek Henry. And I think there was there was a lot of head scratching when when all that kind of went down. Um, but I think you've just got to you've got to roll with him and, and see what happens. Um, because they don't have much else to hang the hat on. Um, so why not? That they, they don't have much much else to lose. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it's it's a bit of um, you know, why not have a crack? You know, they're they're a fair way behind the Jags already in that in that run for AF for the AFC yeah. South already. And and look, there's um, no harm in giving it a crack and, and trying to see how how this takes them. But um, they'll learn a lot this year now. And and like you said, I think it's Levis time in in Tennessee. Now, a couple of a couple of teams going from a, a positive to to a negative. A couple of teams that that are struggling at the moment. Um, one more more so than the other, I, I have to admit. But the Kansas City Chiefs, I know it was in Denver, but that's that's a that's a really bad loss to a Denver team that is not good at the moment. Um, they made the, the Broncos look good, um, and that was that was really disappointing from a Chiefs perspective. And the Niners, three losses in a row now, um, and they just look. They look vulnerable, don't they? Yeah, we'll start with the Niners then. I think they do. And and then team and I I mean they have been missing again, they missed Trent Williams on the weekend, they missed Debo Samuel, but um and they played a really good team. Like I think, you know, we'll get onto the Bengals shortly, but um we know the talent that's on that offensive side for the Bengals and, and their defense is improved. But again, Brock Purdy made a really critical mistake. And um look, I think he's getting a lot of blame now. Um, for their losses, but he was also getting a lot of praise when they won. So it kind of goes, you got to take the good with the bad, don't you, as a quarterback? And, you know, ultimately mm. the game kind of hinges on them. But I don't think he's been as bad as potentially everyone has, has kind of come out and said. But, yeah, like he, he's made some he's made some bad throws in the second half. So, look, um, ultimately that's been costly. Chris McCaffrey, again, wasn't 
ultimately, like he got into the end zone, he, he's just a freak. We know that. But again, he, we couldn't get that ground game going. Elijah Mitchell as their backup has been a complete non-factor. Um, we saw Jordan Mason kind of pop up a few weeks ago, but he hasn't been cited the last couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, they've been exposed, the, the Niners. I don't think it's panic stations, especially when you're bringing in a guy like Chase Young to that defense, um, p- pairing him up with his old college teammate, um, Nick Bosa. It's pretty formidable. Mm. So uh, I think the Niners will be fine. They're on their bye week, so they'll, they'll learn a lot this week. Kyle Shanahan, we know he'll he'll be um, he'll be working 24-7. Over the last the next uh, couple of weeks to get them ready for their next game, and uh, you know I, I've still got them. We'll, we'll go into the power rankings obviously a bit later, but I've still got them as a as a clear number two in the NFC now behind behind the the Eagles. But um, I don't think it's um, yeah panic stations yet for the Niners. But three losses in a row is always concerning. So we'll see what happens. But then and then to the Chiefs. That was such a weird game. We know there were some reports that Patrick Mahomes was struggling with the flu, and look. He didn't look 100% healthy, so I, I get that. Obviously, Travis Kelsey didn't have Taylor in the stand, so that that affected his <laughs> performance. But their offense was bad, man. Patrick Holmes, that's one of the worst games I've seen him play. He, mm. um, But they made the Broncos' defense look good, and, and we know the yeah. Chiefs' defense has been great this year. And, and again, they did their part. They did their part. They turned the ball over. But the Chiefs' offense was, was the problem, and, and that's what kind of you always kind of worry about they can have these con- – well, don't know if they have these games a lot, but Pacheco couldn't run the ball. If Kelsey's not taking catches, there's not too much else to help him, is there? So um, especially when Mahomes potentially couldn't be fucked, like honestly, like he's gone <laughs> – he's never lost a road game, a division road game in his career, which is ridiculous. He's um, he's beaten the Broncos 16 games in a row. There was It was like, like the care factor was probably um, little to none. So <laughs> – a blip for the Chiefs. They're still a, a quality outfit, so no, no harm, no foul. But um, it was disappointing to see them lose in that fashion. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think uh, I think it's not it's not panic stations for the Chiefs. You know that those those runs, those streaks have to end at at some point. And if mm. if a guy like Mahomes just isn't feeling it, and yeah, you know, things just aren't working on the day or whatever, then it does give you know your your opposition an opportunity to. To to make the mark and and you know to their credit the the Broncos did that um, and I think it was just one of those games for for the Chiefs um, I think they'll they'll get back on track you know Mahomes will be healthy again he, he'll be able to get Kelsey more involved I mean six six catches for for Travis Kelsey is is I mean remarkably low I mean six catches for for any tight end seems like a pretty good day at the office but um, you know that it's kind of <laughs> Just a just a, a really mediocre, um, really mediocre result for for someone like Travis Kelsey who's used to kind of nine, ten, twelve, fifteen receptions. So, um, yeah, look, I think they'll they'll write the ship. There have been some question marks around that Chiefs offense for most of the season, but they've been getting the job done. And and you know you can never count out, a, um, yeah, Andy and and Mahomes. And Travis Kelsey for, for too long, so I think they'll write the ship. And um, if they have another another game or two like that, then then maybe there's some some alarm bells. But mm-hmm. I think you've just got to trust that they'll they'll get it together and and turn it around. Um, a, a team that has turned it around, like you mentioned briefly a, a couple of minutes ago, is the Bengals. And to your credit, you had the Bengals turning it around a month ago um, when 
you know, a few people were starting to write them off, but um, you know, they're they're doing everything right at the moment, Cincinnati. Yeah, they're far too talented to not. Um, we know they started slow last year. They lost their first two games. They were in the same similar hole uh, this year. But look, they they were excellent. I actually, I uh, I know we we really liked them, especially at the plus five and a half going into last week when we we did mention that. And I've had a pretty ordinary week, a couple of weeks in tipping, but thankfully tipped the Bengals. It kind of got me back um, one on a few people last week. So. I thought they would come in and, and make a statement, especially with the, the Niners kind of playing a little bit hurt and a little bit um, down on confidence. The Bengals coming off the bye were going to make a statement. And Joe Burrow looked fantastic, and that was the difference. He looked as healthy as he has all year, obviously. He looked – he is so much better when he can move his legs, and he was running on – you know, he reads the game so well. He, he sees an opening, he takes it. He takes that first down like Patrick Mahomes, and um, he was phenomenal hit Jamar Chase on every occasion. Joe Mixon had his best game, which helped massively when you can run the ball like that against the Niners. And then their defense has been standing up and, and playing really well. They lost Hendrickson as well. Their best pass rusher went off the game injured. Hopefully he's all right to to suit up this week. But what a game Sunday night football will be. The Bengals and the Bills. And of course, back in that stadium in Cincinnati. Um, so yeah, phenomenal game. Can't wait for it. And yeah, we're going to learn a lot again about both teams, I think. But uh, the Bengals, um, yeah, that was that was a great performance, and and they look again like a contender in the AFC. I I completely forgot that we had that chat about how bullish we were on on the Bengals uh, at the line last week. I completely forgot about that because I didn't I didn't play it, um, which I'm kicking myself about now. But uh, yeah, no, you're right. I think yeah the. the there, there are two. There are two really big things that the Bengals have done. Um, one happened in in the off season, which was improving the defense, and and they really kind of stabilized some of the holes that they they had, and and that's kind of what's kept the Bengals um, season going, especially in that first month, was that you could see that that defense was doing what they needed to do. Um, and really, it was just waiting for the the tide to turn on offense, and and they've done that. You know, a month ago. Um, yeah, there, there were some really big question marks about, you know, whether, whether Joey Burrow was fit, you know, whether he was giving the ball, giving enough touches to, to Jamar Chase. And, and we know Chase had, had that comment a couple of weeks ago that, that you just need to feed him. Um, but to their credit, they've turned it around. And like you said, there's, there's so much talent there, um, getting, getting Joe Mixon involved and, and efficient, productive is, is so big for the Bengals because it just means that. Um, you know, those receivers and, um, you know, Tyler Boyd was more involved. Um, you know, having Mixon, having Mixon pounding the ball on the ground is just, it, it allows the, those dynamic receivers to, to get free. And, um, it just means that you can't, you can't always be focusing on, on Joey B and, and the air game. So yeah, look, really exciting times, I think for the Bengals and, and we'll, we'll look at that, uh, that week nine matchup. Uh, shortly, but looking at the season leaders in in those stats as, as we have done um, over the course of this season, obviously Tua and Tyreek again leading the passing the passing yards and receiving yards. Um, Ty, what Ty, Tyreek Hill's doing is is pretty phenomenal. Um, you know, eight weeks in uh, and over a thousand yards receiving is just insane. Um, and then to think 
that AJ Brown's not actually that far behind him with 940 odd, um, and, and the opportunity for him to be over a thousand yards receiving after nine weeks um, is is phenomenal too. So there's some some really incredible performances coming on offense. Obviously, you know we know Christian McCaffrey uh, leading the rushing yards, and and I think really only uh, injury can can hold him back as long as he's fit and healthy. Yeah, I think he he kind of runs runs that home. Daniil Hunter again uh, leading the sacks number. I think there were some question marks following the uh, mm. the the Kirk Cousins injury whether Daniil Hunter was going to be a, a a potential trade asset for for the Vikings, but um, for good for for Vikings fans. Yeah, his name was chopped around before even Kirk Cousins. It was Kirk wasn't Cousins it? got injured, so like he, the Vikings have done well to keep hold of him. I think um, why not keep a star like him? And again, he's repaying the faith. Another sack on the weekend to to take him up. And he's a superstar, isn't he? He's he's a superstar, and he, he just doesn't he doesn't get mentioned in those in those same conversations as the the guys that we have talked about ad nauseum for for the last few years. Does he? It, it almost feels like. He doesn't get the respect that he deserves in, in that regard. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But um, he's he's showing that, um, yeah, what a star he is this season at the moment with um, those sack numbers on track for twenty um, or above, which we know is um, elite. Massive, massive. Um, Zaire Franklin from the Colts leads the league in tackles as he has done uh, most of the season, and uh interceptions Geno Stone from the the Ravens with 5 leads the league um and there's a there's an interesting stat that you've noted here with uh Darren Bland yeah Darren Bland got another pick 6 on the weekend his fourth uh, sorry fourth interception but third pick 6 which is 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 incredible especially through only uh 8 weeks so Darren Bland giving the Cowboys plenty of points on defense but yeah the backup Geno Stone he got another pick on the weekend um Leading the league, phenomenal. I wonder what the the record is for pick sixes. I don't. I don't know if you know that off the top of your head, but um, maybe we'll 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 find that out for next week. I reckon, mm. or, or if one of the listeners knows, no, no uh, idea. Tweet it in and uh, and let us know. Well, let's not. Let's hope for your sake and and that he doesn't add to that tally. Uh, That's this week right against the Eagles, That's mate. Right. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but as we look at the power rankings, um, see, we, we both had. And to your credit, you've gone and done this again this week, um, which saved me a lot of time because I was meant to do it this week. Um, but looking at, at the rankings that you've dropped in here, I actually agree with just about all of it. So um, do you want to run us through, obviously, the Eagles are number one, as, as we've already mentioned, the only team in the league at, at seven and one. Um, but uh, who have you got, I guess, filling out the, the top five after Philadelphia? Yeah, I've kept the Chiefs at two as they were last week. Again, obviously, they're coming off a loss, but um, they're still the best team in the AFC or the, the benchmark in the AFC for mine. Well, I did say the Dolphins a couple of weeks ago. And, and look, I still that's such an interesting matchup this week, the Dolphins and Chiefs. Of course, neutral territory mm. in Frankfurt, Germany. Can't wait for that one. That might be worth staying up for, although the game will be at one thirty our time this week. One thirty would be a struggle, especially with um, the rest of the game starting at 5 a.m. But, yeah, Chiefs stay in number two because, again, we know it was just a blip. The Ravens, I couldn't have all the Dolphins at this stage um, ahead of the Chiefs. Again, the Dolphins, probably because they haven't beaten anyone with a winning record. Obviously, that can change this week when they play the Chiefs and the Ravens only just beat the Cardinals and did enough. They didn't look great on offense, especially after 
what we saw the week before against the Lions, that they, they had these moments where they just can't move the ball in the air and Gus Edwards carried a big load on the weekend with, um, I think, two or three touchdowns. So the Ravens at three, so they're the big jumper, or sorry, a jumper. They've, they've leapfrogged the Niners. As has has mm. has the Dolphins, so they're at four at six and two, and then the the Niners. I've got still got at fifth at five and three, more losses than uh, the next three, which are the Cowboys, Lions, and Jags. But I've still got the Niners in at five ahead of those teams. I still think they're obviously the Niners have smashed the Cowboys when they played them earlier this year, and I still think they're a better team than the Lions in the NFC. And then uh, the Jags, who have won five in a row and done nothing wrong. Um, just can't have them ahead of the Niners at this stage. So that rounds out your top eight. Then I've got the Bengals yeah. jumping up to nine, slightly ahead of the Bills, just with, again, that strength of schedule win. Um, and then they those two teams play each other this week. So, again, perfect matchup. The Bengals four and three, the Bills five and three playing that extra game. But in Cincinnati, Sunday Night Football, can't wait for that one. Massive, massive. I mean, there's there's a, a couple of big games. For, for a few weeks, we, we've kind of been talking about um, – you know, kind of some some rough schedules, but this week there's there's a, a couple of really big games uh, on on the horizon. But um, yeah, look, I I agree with just about all of that. Um, you know, I think it's hard to. You know, I I know that they've they've lost you know, three games in a row. I know they've got a worse record than the the Cowboys, the Lions, and the Jags. But I mean, I, I think that you just got to back them in. I think you've got to back them in and they'll turn it around because that that Cowboys demolition is the benchmark. I mean, we've seen what they can do. They know what they can do. And we know what they've shown us over the last kind of 12 to 18 months. They are, I think, like you said, they are the, the second best team in, in the conference. Um, and I think, I think, you know, like the Chiefs, they they write the ship and, and they turn it around. Um, the Lions and Jags is, Really interesting um, because you could say that that those those two teams have an argument to maybe sit above the Cowboys at this stage, um, but I think I think you, you're you're pretty spot on, and and I agree with the Chiefs at two despite the loss. I mean, something that we've spoken about over the last couple of weeks is is those teams that that sit in the top ten um, of, of DVOA rankings for offense defense. And special teams, and once again, uh, the Chiefs have gone back to being the sole franchise in the top ten of all three facets of the game. So, um, yeah, look, I think they're they're a really good team. I think that they're going to put some points on the Dolphins this week. You, you don't see Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have two bad games in a row, and I think they're going to put some points on Miami this week. Um, Coming out of the top 10, as, as you mentioned, you've got the Lions and Jags at 7 and 8 and the Bengals at 9 ahead of the Bills in 10th. Um, a bit of a logjam kind of in, in that in, in that group afterwards with the Seahawks at 5 and 2, followed by the Browns, Jets, uh, Steelers in 15th at, all at 4 and 3 and the Chargers just ahead of them at 3 and 4. But um, any any big movers, I guess, through that, that middle portion of the of the rankings? No, not really. They kind of just kind of moved up and down within each other. Obviously the Seahawks, um, well, I've got the Seahawks staying in 11th after just with some, obviously the Bengals big win, I've kind of jumped them ahead of them. So the Seahawks in 11th at five and two. So this, this is the interesting one. Obviously Seahawks lead that NFC West 
at five mm. and two. I've got the Niners all the way up at five at the Seahawks 11th. But I think that's fair enough. They haven't played each other yet. And um, yes. Seattle, they're doing enough. But again, they, they get a really good test this week against the Ravens in Baltimore. So really interesting matchup and we'll, we'll discuss that shortly. And then the Browns, who lost to the Seahawks and should have probably won that game, uh, slipped down to 12th um, at four and three a record. And then I've got Jets, Chargers, and Steelers. The Chargers are the, probably the big mover. I know they only beat the Bears, but they comprehensively beat the Bears and and probably looked like the team that we know they can be when they when they're all clicking on on all cylinders. They had no run game. That's probably the only issue for mine uh, for the Chargers at this stage. But at three and four, the only team with a losing record to be in that top fifteen, ahead of teams like the Saints who haven't done enough yet for mine. Again, the Vikings. We know what's happening with them in terms of the their outlook for the rest of the season without Kirk Cousins. Um, and then the Steelers, of course, who were pretty bad on offense uh, against the mm. Jags. But um, could argue the Steelers could still be ahead of the Chargers. But um, it's probably why I've got the Chargers a bit higher at 14. But, um, yeah, so they're, they're the one that probably moved into the, into that kind of – that realm there. And then the bottom three stay the same, although the Panthers, with their first win, have jumped the Cardinals for mine. Um, so the Cardinals mm. go back down to 32nd. The Panthers, 31, and the Giants are still there, mate, in the 30th. Yeah, I almost – I would have been tempted to, to have the Panthers jump the Giants as well, Ooh. to be fair, um, because the Giants are woeful. And I know the Panthers haven't been good, but at least they show they show something. Like, you, you can see that they go out and they compete, even when they're not good, and they know they're not good. About, yeah. But, you know, they, they go and compete, and I'm not sure I can say the same for the Giants at, at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there's still some some movement to come. You know, the Falcons have dropped out of the top 15. The Saints, like you mentioned, could could move up pretty quickly if, if they tweak a few things and, and get some things right. Um, the Saints are a really interesting one. Um, we, spoke, we spoke off air about Rashid Shahid and, and just kind of his ability to, to turn things on a dime and um, – yeah, Alvin Kamara, uh, yeah, Derek Carr, you know, looking like he's he's putting some things together. Um, you know, I think the Saints the Saints could be could be a big mover in the second half of the season. Yeah, look, I probably wrote them off a bit early last week. I, I'd kind of said I'd seen enough from them. I actually tipped the Colts to beat them in that day and on on the weekend, I should say. And things started well for the Colts, but the Saints kind of battled back and they they finally showed that they can score. And that was the difference. They've been good in the red zone. Derek Carr got the ball downfield to Rashid Shahid, as we mentioned, three catches over 150 yards. He's a he's a dynamic weapon and very probably a big praise and um, maybe over the top, but very much in the mold of a Tyree Kill in the early days in in Kansas City, where he was a mm. big player, a, a punt returner every now and then comes on the comes on for you know a snap every. Five. Well, you know, he, he barely plays. Yeah. Like maybe one down yeah. every sequence, you know. But they got to get him more involved. Get him in in the passing game. Get him, get him running the ball like the um, yeah. Like why not? But he he's explosive, and we know he's got blistering pace and um and can catch. So Derek Carr's got to um, use him. He's got a really good weapon there in in Rashid Shahid. So they can unlock that. Um, they're a very good team because we know their defense is great. It's just been a, a question of their offense, but it was the most points I've ever put up um, with Dennis Allen at the helm. So, yeah, obviously things trending in the right direction after 
after last week. But it is only one game, and, and that's the difference. But they do have the Bears this week, so that should be um, another good opportunity to put some points on the board and um, get things going. Yeah, no, I completely agree on on Shahid. I, th- I think I said about a month ago that I'd love to see yeah, the Saints use him in a similar way to how uh, the Falcons used Cordero Patterson. Um, you know, mm. just, just feed him in a, in a number of ways. And I know for the Saints that that guy is – Taysom Hill, and I know that he was really efficient in in times uh, in, in week eight, and and kind of has been over the journey. That when they need someone to stand up and and be a difference maker, you know, he might only get five or six touches. Um, you know, whether whether it's at QB throwing the ball, whether it's at tight end catching, whether it's running the ball, um, you know, some of those short yardage um, plays or or wildcat or whatever. But I kind of feel like Shahid has more upside, like. He's more dynamic. I know you you made that comparison to Tyreek Hill, and, and I completely agree. Probably not as strong as Tyreek Hill, but um, similar sort of you know athleticism, dynamicness, ability to to turn to turn a game in in one play. Um, and I just feel with guys like that, you just got to get them involved more often. Like you can't give a guy like that three touches or, or three receptions. Like look at what the Eagles did a decade ago with Deshaun Jackson and, you know, similar type of player, you know, kind of small, light, um, but ability to, to, to make that big play. And, you know, those guys only historically get three to five kind of touches a game, but um you just got to make it work. You got to. You've got to feed them. You've got to get them more involved and and give them more opportunity to to make things happen because they are legitimate playmakers. And I think Rashid Shahid has that ability in New Orleans, and um, especially with with Alvin Kamara being a better fantasy player than I think he is a real life on field player. Um, you know, there is an opportunity there to to kind of start limiting some of those touches for for Taysom Hill, um, and potentially give a few extra touches to, to Rashid Shahid and, and just see what he can do when he's when he's made a, a more focal part of the offense. So, yeah, really exciting for, for New Orleans. And, and I just hope that they kind of do that with Shahid because he's super exciting. He's fun to watch. And, yeah, I just want to see him involve more. Um, but, no, the rest, of the, the rest of those – sorry, mate, go on. No, I was just going to say absolutely. I mean, I was really high on him coming into this season. Yeah. I think he was on my bench in a couple of leagues – this week, which was disappointing, um, but <laughs> I've played him most of the year, and um, yeah, finally had a breakout game. But look, I, I think he's a he's a star to watch, and and hopefully, um, yeah, gets a bit more involved um, in the offense moving forward. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And as we, I guess, talk about moving forward, we we look at the the week nine matchups, and like I said a, a couple of minutes ago, there are some some really big games, and and potentially the the one that kicks off. The week is is not one of the biggest ones in terms of Tennessee and, and Pittsburgh. I think, you know, what we all want to see is is Will Levis again and and can he keep that connection with with D Hop? Um, you know, can, can he keep that that offense ticking, um, especially against that Steelers defense? That'd be a really big, a really big scalp um, for for the rookie, um, and that's probably the the biggest question right now for for this week out of out of that game is whether he can kind of keep that momentum into a second start but but clearly the, the the early kind of prime time game I guess you'd call it given it is a standalone start is that Miami 
Kansas City game in in Germany. I know Travis Kelsey's been talking about playing in Germany all preseason or all, all season. So, um, what are you expecting to see out of out of this one? I can't wait for it. Just hopefully it's a, a really high octane game, offensive shootout. But I probably see it going a bit more the way of the the Philly Dolphins game, and and it's a great test for the Dolphins again. And um, Tyreek Hill playing against his old team will um, be very familiar for him. But yeah, mm-hmm. the fact that it's in neutral territory makes it super interesting because you know if it was in Miami, you'd give potentially give Dolphins uh, the edge, and and certainly if it was in Arrowhead, you'd give the Chiefs. A big edge. So the fact it's in Germany, we'll, we'll see how they go. Um, obviously, whoever can acclimatize first will be interesting to see what Pat Mahomes' health is like. But uh, it's hard to go. It's, it's always hard to tip against the Chiefs. So you probably have to favor them slightly. But, yeah, can't wait for it. And and wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins can, can cause an upset and it'll be behind um, – you know, an explosive performance from Tyreek Hill, no doubt. But the key for the Dolphins as well, I think, is they've got to run the ball again, and and they've struggled to do that the last couple of weeks a little bit with mm. with A-chan out on IR. That's kind of caused that shift, I suppose, and it hasn't opened as many holes for for Mostert either. But um, yeah, obviously, a lot rides on tour, and and again, like for the Chiefs, similarly, um, Pacheco's had a quite, couple of quiet weeks, in particular. Last week in Denver, so um, potentially who can get the run game going a bit better might be the the key. But we know the Chiefs' defense at the moment is is elite, so um, you probably have to give the edge to them. But um, like I said, worth worth staying up for if you can. Um, looks would be a cracking game. Hundred percent. I think you're spot on in terms of using the the Eagles Dolphins game as as a bit of a a baseline for this one. I think um, you know I mentioned mentioned a little bit earlier that I I, I feel like the Chiefs are going to put up some points here, just like the Eagles did, um, in that you just don't see Mahomes and Kelsey play two poor games in a row. You just don't. Like, it just doesn't happen. Um, and we know that the offense has sputtered a little bit to start this season. We know that they're not getting much out of their receivers, but, um, you know, that that connection, that connection is second to none in the NFL. Um, and... Yeah, I think that they're going to come out firing. I think they're going to want to put on a show in Germany. Um, you have to, you have to feel like, yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of fans there. The, the the Germans are big NFL fans. I know you, you, most people probably wouldn't believe that, you know, given how big European football is, soccer is in in Germany. But um, there is a big NFL community in Germany, and and I think they're going to get a big crowd. I think they're going to be vocal, and you know, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's Patrick Mahomes playing in in your home country. Um, I think that there's going to be a, a large, a large Kansas City um, support in in that game. I think that they're going to come out firing. I think they're going to want to make a statement. And I think, yeah, unfortunately for the Dolphins, um, like what happened with the Eagles, that the the offense that they're facing has a point to prove and. I, th- I think that they'll do that. I think the the one to look at here, if we're going to talk betting for a second, is the overs. I mean, I think the the fifty and a half point um, total there is is probably a couple of points short, um, and that that's probably my my play for for that game. Is there anything there that that you like? You mentioned that you wouldn't be surprised to see the Dolphins uh, cause an upset there, but would you would you play it? What's the what did you say the line was? The the game the line, yeah. Uh, good question. It is two and a half. Yeah, 
Chiefs favourite. Three and a half, I'd be more confident in for sure. Um, but yeah, look, mm. I think um, the overs is probably the one that stands out to me as well in that for sure, like you said. And, um, of course, like we had in London where we had almost well, three weeks in a row, you've got a second game next week. So um, you'll have to set the alarm or stay up late to, to get all the games in the coming weeks. But um, mm. next week's not nearly. It does make it. <laughs> the Colts and quite stand out like uh, this one. The, the, like we spoke about it a few weeks ago, the international games are cool, but it does make it hard for mm. for us, you know, Australian fans, New Zealand fans in particular on the other side of the world um, to be able to fit it in because it is it is hard when it's a, a midnight game and then you've got the, the regular state starting at 3 a.m. or if it's a 1 a.m. and then you've got them starting at 4 or 5. Like it, it is it is really tough for, for us um, Southern Hemisphere fans to, to kind of be able to take that all in. Um, but that is, I guess, the, you know, we, we want to have a game here eventually. So, you know, that's going to make it hard for, for everybody on that side of the world. So, um, you know, I guess you got to take take that uh, on occasion. But the, the rest of the Sunday slate... Um, Obviously, there is there is a big game coming up, and we'll get to that in, in a minute. But those the rest of those early-ish games, uh, Minnesota, Atlanta, Arizona, Cleveland, the Rams and the Packers, Washington, New England, and Chicago and New Orleans. Anything there that you wanted to, to touch on before we get into some of the, the bigger matchups? No, no, nothing overly exciting there. I think the the one in that in that early slate outside the one I have highlighted here is is the Vikings Falcons, just for the fact that how Jaron Hall goes if he does start for the Vikings, and of course how they respond to to that. Um, now that they're on a bit of a roll with um, winning three games in a row, and then of course the other one for mine is is probably the um, the other aspect of that is is yeah what happens in in Atlanta. Does Desmond Ritter stay on the bench? Does Taylor mm. Heineke um, continue to start? Which, to be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing for Atlanta. Um, he he gave them a bit of an opportunity to come back against the Titans in that one with um, and we know he's he's got his flaws, but he, he's exciting and he and he, we know he's going to give one hundred percent when he's out there and he he can make some good throws. So yeah, interesting decision for Arthur Smith coming up as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Desmond Ritter's a really interesting one, isn't he? In, in Atlanta, and I think the whole the the offense as a whole, and and um, yeah, some of the the play calling, some of the coordination on offense is is really interesting out of Atlanta. Um, the other one for me, for just from a, a betting perspective, is the Rams and Packers, and just seeing that the Packers are are so short, the dollar fifty eight favorites. Um, the the line's only a field goal, but um, yeah, I just I just feel like that's. There's there's some value there on the Rams just head to head. Well, there is question marks, yeah, around Stafford. If Stafford doesn't play, that uh, that definitely gives the Packers the edge. But even so, um, that's the right, way Jordan yeah. loves playing. You you wouldn't um, you wouldn't be too keen on on back back in the Packers at at that price uh, or any price for that matter at the moment. So um, yeah, that might be one to yeah. stay out of. Yeah. But uh, if you like the Rams, like Nick, I uh, yeah I yeah look I'm. I don't love the Rams, but I think I, I just think that that I feel like that's. Oh, they're a better overall yeah, team. For yeah, sure. they're better on both sides yeah. of the ball for mine. Yeah, they've got 100%. better weapons on offense. They've yep. got a better defense. So. Agreed. Uh, obviously, the Bucks and and the Texans, the other uh, the other game on the slate there. But the one that we want to talk about is the Seattle Seahawks and the Baltimore Ravens. Um, 
both you know finding their feet at the right time. Yeah, really interesting game. Obviously, only two losses or two losses each, five and two and six and two. Baltimore don't lose much at home. That's they've got an unbelievable recent record mm-hmm. at home. You you know you think of um, home ground advantages. You think of of Kansas City. You think of you know different venues like um, Seattle and and things like that. But Baltimore have a, a really distinct van- advantage at home. Lamar Jackson has a ridiculous record. When he plays at home, and I think uh, they get the job done, the Ravens, um, the Seahawks were a little bit lucky probably to get over the line against the Browns. Um, I mean, that was that isn't a remarkable defense, as we know, for the Browns. So, and, and, and look, to be honest, the Ravens' defense has been pretty close too this year. They've been phenomenal. And um, mm. providing they can get their act together in, in their passing game, and that's the only question mark I have about the Ravens. And we know they're going to run the ball well. Although, again, that sometimes goes out the window as well. They're just such a mm. – I'd be such a frustrating team to kind of support or follow if you if you really cared about them because they are so different week to week. And and um, yeah. But we know one thing – That that makes it hard to scheme against though, doesn't correct. it? Correct. They are unpredictable, of course. But Lamar Jackson's passing this year has been phenomenal and, and he made some ridiculous passes against again against the Cardinals in the pocket. So – Give him the edge over Geno Smith at the moment. So uh, Ravens for mine. Yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're, you're pretty spot on there. I think the yeah you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier that the Chiefs having the 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 claim as the number one uh, team in the AFC. I think the Ravens are, are closing that gap though in in terms of who's the best team uh, in that conference. Uh, yeah, the Ravens. The Ravens are are really good. The Ravens are really good again. Um, yeah, I had some. I, I certainly didn't have them being as good at the start of the season as as they've turned out to be. Um, but I feel like they're getting better, and um, yeah, they they could potentially be the the best team in in the AFC. You know, over the next few weeks, um, if if the Chiefs continue to stumble offensively as they have, um, but the Ravens' defense is very very good, if not elite. Um, and it probably is elite, and and like you said, they they're just getting it done on offense. Whether it's with Lamar throwing the ball and and improving that side of his game, or you know someone stepping up on the ground, whether it's him or or Gus or, or you know one of the other schlubs that, that, that they always seem to <laughs> seem to find in Baltimore. Um, yeah, they're they're just getting it done, and and they're a really good team. And I think you're right. You've got to you've got to go with Baltimore in Baltimore uh, because they just. They just don't lose there very often. And I think they are just a, a more complete team uh, than the Seahawks. Uh, moving into uh, the latest slate, the Colts and the Panthers, probably not a game that too many people want to watch uh, if you have the option. And then obviously the Giants and the Raiders, again, probably one that if you had the option to put that on the screen or go and watch paint dry or grass grow or anything else in the world, um, you probably choose anything else in the world. But it is the NFC East division rivalry, the two powerhouses, uh, the Eagles and the Cowboys, that you've got highlighted here for very good reason. Yeah, look, phenomenal uh, matchup. And, and like you said, sandwiched in there <laughs> in the late slate between two absolute dud matches. So <laughs> you'd think the red zone uh, will be focused on this game, even if they're... Um, <laughs> deep into their own territory. I don't think they'll want to be showing too much else. So, um, yeah, obviously a standalone game. You'll be able to watch it. Pretty sure it'll be on KO or ESPN or 
you know, for those for those that um, that don't have league pass yeah, or game pass, sorry, I should say. But um, look, it's a really good game and a really crucial part of the season, right in the middle, smack bang. The interesting thing is that the Cowboys have this unbelievable record at home at the moment. I think they've won something like eleven straight at home or or twelve straight at home, so they're flying at home. But um, the Eagles have a really, really, really dominant record against the NFC East opponents lately. They've um, um, won eight in a row against NFC East opponents, including obviously Dallas in that, and um, they're rolling at the moment. But but Dallas are probably arguably coming off their two best games. Certainly, Dak Prescott's two best games of the season, and um, they were pretty pretty unstoppable against the Rams. Um, we know the Rams aren't anywhere close to the Eagles level, so. Um, Really interesting matchup, but um, for mine, I'm favouring the Eagles, but um, danger game for you guys, especially when you've got, well, probably, it's probably, you're not going to go into it, a, a, a division game ever, a little bit, um, um, I suppose, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, Laxadaisical, or, you know, you know, just not quite enough with enough momentum but I think um, they will and, and the Eagles come out and win that mm. game but yeah looking forward to it see what the Cowboys can do yeah I think I think we're going to learn a few things and and really the the biggest one is whether the Cowboys are legit um, you know mm. we've seen them beat up on some bad teams and then we saw them get absolutely demolished um, and yeah, the Eagles really haven't had that experience for for a while in terms of just being wiped off off the field um so you know a there's a question mark as to whether are the eagles really a level above the cowboys as as the records show and, and as kind of the season has has shown so far or is that a bit of an aberration um and the cowboys you know are are, are up for competing and, and I think they are um, I actually feel like there isn't that much difference between the Cowboys and the Eagles. I, I do think the Eagles are better, but uh, I, I do think that the Cowboys are, are closer than uh, potentially people think they are. Um, obviously, last season, we didn't get to see the Jalen Hurts-Dak Prescott head-to-head matchup. Um, mm. You know, Hurts, Hurts missed the game that the Cowboys won and Prescott missed the game that the Eagles won uh, and they went uh, one and one. Um, so yeah, really interesting, intriguing matchup. I think the, from a betting perspective, the markets are about right. Although I think head to head, the Eagles are probably a little bit short. Um, yeah. Dollar 58 to two thirty nine. The Cowboys, the line is two and a half, which I think is about right. Um, if that did get out to a flat three, I'd probably consider having a play on the Cowboys. Um, because I do think it will be close. Uh, you know, they generally are. Um, but, you know, really, you know, two really good defensive units. Um, I, I do think the Eagles' offense is probably better, but they haven't shown it all season. They've been inconsistent. So, yeah, some some question marks around the Eagles uh, against this Cowboys defense, but certainly some question marks around the, the Cowboys' offense against this Eagles defense. So, yeah, massive, massive game for the the state of the NFC East and and the NFC because um, you know if the Eagles if the Eagles get up here uh, away from home then that does open up a, a decent gap on 
on the rest of the the conference. Yeah, exactly right. And I think um, I was reading an incorrect stat there before because um, I think I misread it. It was supposed to. It's you've won eight in a row against NFC opponents, not NFC East opponents, because actually Dallas. Um, have been far and away the better team in this recent record. They've won uh, four of their last five. So um, apologies for that, listeners. But uh, Nick, thank you for for jumping in on that. But yeah, look, I think um, I'll give the edge to Philly in this one. But um, yeah, again, mouth-watering contest. Can't wait to watch it. And it's good because all these games are spaced out perfectly. You've got one, you know, starting in the early hours of... Monday morning our time, mm-hmm. then you've got the 5 a.m. game followed by the 8.30 game, and then you've got the Sunday night football game all uh, in a row. Three. That's right. Obviously, the, the late game of the week being the, the Chargers and Jets is probably not a not a huge um, draw card for, for this week as well. Obviously, the Lions, the Niners, Broncos, and Jags all on a bye. Uh, but the other big, big matchup that we've, we've mentioned a few times over the course of, of this show is – the Buffalo Bills in Cincinnati uh, at the Bengals, uh, like you mentioned at, at the top of the show, back at that stadium where so much happened last season, um, and just you know what has become a, a decent rivalry over the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to watch this one again. Like um, two, you know. Contenders in the AFC that have been for the last couple of years, protagonists, Joe Burrow, Joe, uh, Josh Allen. Um, really interesting to see how what the mindset of the players are going into this stadium. Um, we know, like you said, so much happened in that in this very uh, matchup last year. Um, and, yeah, looking forward to seeing what comes of it, especially after I suppose the Bills kind of got back on track a little bit with a, a pretty commanding win. Uh, on Thursday night football, they've obviously had the long break um, since that uh, that win to kind of go and get prepared for the Cincinnati game. They would have seen the Bengals go in and to the Niners and watch that game quite closely, and then the Bengals obviously get back home after such a confidence lifting win. So, really, really interested to see how it goes. Um, I kind of favour the home seed home team in this one, and and especially based off what the Bengals did last week. And again, I probably saw enough on the Bills, a little bit of rust, I suppose, still, um, especially in that second half against the Bucs. They, they looked phenomenal in the first half. They couldn't couldn't be stopped. They were moving the ball with ease, and then it it slowed up and um, in the second half. And, look, um, like you said, Rasol Douglas should be should be suiting up, and it's a, it's a huge um, addition to that that defense for the Bills. But um, a fully helped fully healthy Joe Burrow back on prime time. I think you'll have a lot to prove and especially after coming off last week's win. And um, to be honest, the events of last year would have to affect the Bills players more than it would the Bengals. And I know that's nothing against the Bengals players, but um, when it's one of your own, it's obviously a little bit different. And um, yeah, so that, that might play a part as well, but um, Bengals for mine in a, you know, again, a, a mouthwatering contest and, yeah, like you said, four like I said, four in a row. Um, brilliant games to watch on Monday morning, slash into the afternoon. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think you're spot on there. I think you you have to roll with the home team, especially when we've seen what we've seen out of both of these franchises. I mean, the, the Bills certainly haven't set the world on fire um, over the the course of the first half of of this season. Um, you know, they've been they've been good enough in in most parts, but um, certainly not the Bills that we expected to see so far. Um, and 
I guess in a similar way, we haven't seen the Bengals that we expected to see, but we have seen them turn the corner over the last month. Um, and I think that was the perfect confidence booster for Cincinnati and their offense against, you know, what is a really good defense um, in the Niners last week. And, and they'll be they'll be coming to this game at home uh, against a team that is struggling a little bit, full of confidence. You know, the, the week off, we spoke about it last week. I, th- I think the week off came at the perfect time for the Bengals to get Joe Burrow right, um, to, to get them on the same page, etc. They showed that against the Niners, and they're going to be raring to go uh, against the Bills. And, and you're right, I think there is going to be some some emotion there for the Bills. Um, whether they can kind of channel that into a, a positive performance is, is is going to be an interesting one, or or maybe it'll just be you know, some of those those really tough memories, you know, walking back onto the onto the field um, where, like you said, so much happened last season, um, and it clearly affected them in the weeks following, as 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 you'd expect, as it would have to. Um, like you said, one of their own, one of their soldiers, um, you know, in, in dire straits, you know, really struggling. Um, and not the not the type of struggle that you normally see on a football field. So, yeah, I think I think here you've you've got to roll with the home team, like you said. And and I'm on the Bengals in this one, unfortunately for for your Bills and and just I guess a, a little bit of value potentially. I I don't think it's going to be a big win. I think the the line kind of shows that it's two and a half again. Um, but if you think that the Bengals win win a close one, Bengals by one to thirteen, two thirty five, um, is is probably worth a little play when. Um, when they're a dollar sixty three favourites head to head, so um, that might be a, a little play if you think that the Bengals get up in a in a closeish one. Yeah, don't mind that. Don't mind that at all. I think that's a that's a savvy play, mate. Very nice. Very good. Um, any all right? Take us to the take bag, mate. The take bag. Well, while while we're coming off the uh, the Bills Bengals matchup, now I I mean this with absolutely no disrespect, and I want to see Demar Hamlin back on the field. I'd love to see him play this game and just get out there and, and show what he can do. Um, but the DeMar Hamlin drinking game, you know, if you can get out of work or if you can uh, sit at a pub or whatever and, and watch this game, how many times are they going to mention his name or show him on the sidelines, in the dugout, in the crowd, whatever it is, in a box, uh, if you have a drink every time they mention Demar Hamlin or show him on the screen, you will be fucking slaughtered by the end of it. I guarantee you that. Absolutely, mate. I think it's going to be, well, like you said, rightly or wrongly, it'll be done to death for sure. And um, and I know you do mean that with all sincerity and, and with respect that um, you're not trying to make light of the situation. But yeah, they'll um, ESPN will give it a good... Good nudge, you think, on, um, well, sorry, not ESPN, but it'll be ESPN here. If you're watching it in Australia, better uh, on the uh, NBC coverage, um, they'll be uh, all over it. So, um, yeah, like you said, if, if any time his name gets mentioned, you have a drink, um, you're in for a, a pretty heavy Monday, <laughs> heavy Monday. So I hope you're not working. But um, and for mine, mate, based off what we've seen from some incredible players this season, if there's ever going to be a season where a non-quarterback wins the MVP, this has to be it, doesn't it? I mean, Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown on historic mm-hmm. pace for 2,000 receiving yards, which has never been done in, this, in the NFL. 
And then you've yep. got a guy like Miles Garrett who has just been phenomenal. And I know he's not leading the sacks, but he's played one less game than than the guys that um, that have um, that are ahead of him because of the bye. Mm-hmm. Eight and a half sacks already. We've seen some absolutely miraculous plays from him, none better than the field goal block uh, from a couple of weeks ago. But those three guys for mine are, are, are the top of the tree for mine at the moment and, and leading the race. Um, in a in a really open quarterback kind of you know no one stood out for mine. Jalen Hurts has been great, obviously leading mm. leading the Eagles. Um, Mahomes obviously had a really um, down week, just gone, but it hasn't been anything to kind of what the level we expect or what we've seen in the past. And then there's um, you know we yeah there's not much else. Lamar Jackson might be the other one in the, in the conversation for now, um, but. Those three, I think I've got ahead of any quarterback at the moment. I, I think you're spot on. And and if you agree, then there's some massive value there in, in that market. I, I'd have Micah Parsons potentially in that conversation as well. Um, he's having an, another super year. Um, Christian McCaffrey, obviously, um, is is also up there. But um, in terms of the, the betting market, the top eight selections are still quarterbacks in that in that betting market, Patrick Mahomes favorite at three seventy five, Jalen Hurts and and Tua Tagovailoa at four fifty, Lamar Jackson at six dollars fifty, um, which is probably some value for Lamar to be honest, um, given the form that he's shown over the last kind of four to six weeks. Uh, Josh Allen seems way overs at, at thirteen bucks, uh, sorry, way unders at. at Thirteen bucks um, at the moment. Joe Burrow kind of rounding into form, seventeen, and then Trevor Lawrence and and Brock Purdy at seventeen dollars and twenty six dollars, respectively. Before you hit Christian McCaffrey at twenty six dollars, um, and then even still, you've got Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, Justin Herbert ahead of Tyreek Hill, which just seems madness to me. Yeah, Tyreek Hill fifty one bucks. I'm looking at here, but he's obviously uh, crazy favorite for the Offensive Player of the Year award, but. Um... Well, which doesn't make sense because you got um, McCaffrey, which is a lot, who's a lot shorter in um, MVP voting or betting. Um, yeah, is behind him in the offensive player of the year market. But yeah, fifty-one bucks still seems massive overs for a guy that's already got a thousand receiving yards. And and look, I know it's going to take a lot to yeah. be a wide receiver, but if he has anything like what he's done in the first half, or if it gets better, that's right. That's that's a, that's a ticket I wouldn't mind having, but. Um, yeah, 100%. it's uh, it's obviously a very quarterback dominated market. Um, it, with it is to be expected. It is, and and we know that. I think you, we kind of say that knowing that this this is a quarterbacks award. Um, but but even still, like you said, Miles Garrett uh, and Micah Parsons, two hundred bucks, two hundred to one. Um, AJ Brown, two hundred twenty six dollars. Um, if you wanted to have a a, a bit of a flyer, uh, obviously if it's going to go to a receiver at this point, it's going to be Tyreek Hill, but. Um, yeah, look, I think I think there's some serious value there if you if you're looking outside a QB um, for, for MVP. And like you said, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen this year with the types of performances we've been seeing outside of the the QB um, position. And when you look at when you look at the QB position, you know, no one's really dominating in the same way that we we have seen in previous years. So yeah, I reckon that's, that's a great shout, mate. And and I don't mind. Uh, Having a little a little play at, at some of those uh, players that, that that we've mentioned. While we're so, on futures, just having a quick scroll to, through, Puka Nakua to win offensive rookie mm. of the year. I know he's um 
he's the second favorite there behind a short price CJ Stroud. But four fifty seems like overs to me for the fact that he's had a phenomenal start again. Wide receivers not getting much love, but if CJ Stroud drops away, that's um. Again, that could be some nice overs at the halfway mark of the year. And, uh, you know, CJ Stroud could be injured tomorrow. Um, who knows? But and, and same with Nakua, of course. But, yeah, I, I don't mind that mm. um, that price there as well. That, um, you know, I'm sure you could shop around and get better than, than that. But, um, yeah, there's a couple of little ones having a look. And then, again, Defensive Player of the Year, um, your man Jalen Carter at the top. But there's a guy that I like at 15 bucks, Will Anderson, Houston, he's having a phenomenal season. Um, would have to, would definitely be behind Jalen Carter at this stage, and and a Devin Weaver yeah. for that matter. But um, again, that's that seems like a big overs to me, especially for a market that can change very quickly in the in the second half of the season. For sure, no, I hundred percent agree. Um, you're right in in the, the 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 markets there are probably spot on at the moment. But they have the ability to, to to change and move really quickly. And and let's say, you know, CJ Stroud wins Offensive Rookie of the Year. And let's say that, that things do change and, and a Will Anderson kind of pushes up into that conversation. The other one to then look at is D'Amico Ryan's as Coach of the Year. You know, yeah. I think that the, the Texans are playing above expectation. And um, clearly Dan Campbell is, is favourite. Um, in, in that market for, for good reason. Mike McDaniel's up in that conversation as well, given what we're seeing out of Miami and, and that offense, um, you know, record pace type offense. Um, but, you know, if, if the Texans keep pushing for, for a wild card spot, um, then you know, anything can happen given where they've come from and the low base that, that we've seen in Houston over the last couple of years. So there's there's another one there that he's currently fourth favorite at $12.50. Um, behind Campbell, McDaniel, and Robert Saleh in New York. But um, any any plays this week that we haven't kind of mentioned to to round out this week's show? Nah, that's that'll be it, mate. I know it's been a long one, so we'll, we'll we can move on. But um, unless you wanted to kind of delve into a couple of others or one you haven't mentioned yet, yeah, a couple obviously that that we've mentioned already, but one one that we haven't touched on: Washington, New England. Um, I know that Washington have, have lost kind of their two premier defensive players, but New England can't score. Um, they don't know how to put up points. They're anemic offensively. Uh, Washington potentially, you know, kind of put up their offensive performance of the season last week against the Eagles. Um, 40 and a half. I know it's probably low, but but I feel like this, this one screams unders. Um, it has something like a fourteen seventeen or kind of fourteen ten type um, scoreline come uh, come the end of the game. So that that's probably one that I'll have have a little bit of a play on. But um, yeah, other than that, the, and the ones that we've spoken spoken about already, there's uh, there's not a whole lot this week. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us, listeners. I know it's been a long one, and um, Nick and I are ready for bed. For, but um, it's been good to chat through. There's a lot obviously happening in the NFL, especially around the trade deadline. So. Um, yeah, it's been good to run through it with you, mate. Absolutely, mate. As always, uh, if you've gotten this far, obviously you like something about the show or you really hate it and just want to hear what what terrible takes we've got. But um, give us a follow and, and tweet you know, on X or whatever it's called these days. Um, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on everything. Um, 
give us a, a rating and a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is that you listen on Facebook, etc. Um, and yeah, just let us know how we're going. Um, let us know what you want to hear and hopefully we can, we can give you what you want. But, uh, other than that, as always, go birds. Go birds.